Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. If I sound a bit weird, it's because uh, I'm recovering from um, a bit of a poisoning attempt. Yeah, <laughs> haven't uh, found out everything that well, but boy, a few days were a bit of a hell, and uh, now I have episodes to do. Oh, and also uh, more actual copy editing for the article. But I'll, I'll manage uh, that, I think, in the next few days. Hasn't been easy for me. Thank you for, thank you for your support, everyone in Discord and otherwise who have been there for me. It's very appreciated. I can finally record. And I thought, I thought that I'd be um, talking, for example, why why Ukrainian journalists are actually talking about um, talking about conflict between Zelensky and Zeluzhny, which is a bit overblown. They have to write about something, to be honest. But um, but you know, then um, another interesting thing happened. We'll be talking about Venezuela today, because this also also ties into ties into the whole Russia-Ukraine thing. The problem here being is that Venezuela is always super friendly towards Putin, and always has been. But there's a bit of a bit of a problem currently. See, on December the third, Venezuelans voted for or against the creation of a new Venezuelan state in the Esequibo region. It was apparently a non-binding consultative referendum designed to put an end over about 200 years of territorial conflict. The problem is, it belongs to Guyana. The issue has been becoming an obsession for Nicolas Maduro, because he's always been talking about this. But, um, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of an issue here, uh, because it also involves... Mobile and all the fun stuff. See, that's the thing. This has been a territorial dispute over the Esequibo region, which dates back to the colonial era. In 1811, when Venezuela proclaimed its independence, it believed the region was part of its territory. And you know, it still kind of is there on their school maps. Now, despite the claims, the United Kingdom, which occupied the territory of present-day Guyana, placed the region under the authority of the British crown. In 1899, an arbitration court ruled in favor of the UK, even though the United States at that point had supported Caracas. 
The dispute resurfaced in 1966 when Guyana gained independence. The Geneva Agreement, signed by the UK, Venezuela and British Guyana, urged countries to agree to a peaceful resolution through dialogue, but Guyana has since sought a resolution through the International Court of Justice, a procedure which Venezuela rejects since... Um, yeah, they're not big into this International Court of Justice since they're not a member, because otherwise they could be friends with Putin. And this whole thing... Um, this whole thing comes via some um, pol- political issues, you see. I think his presidential election takes place uh, in a year. And Maduro is trying to rally support around him by playing the sentiments uh, of, of voters, by positioning himself as, um, as, as a sort of nationalist. Especially since previously, well, he has seen some competition and... He's been pushed aside, and, and previously all this stuff that happened, yeah, the, the peace, somewhat a peaceful situation that had uh, formed itself around around the whole situation. Well, um, what, what happened is that they had made the deal with some sort of elections after the previous ones. It was a bit weird last time, and now kind of Maduro has to at least pretend that he's going to do something. So it's a bit crazy. We have some <laughs> interesting reports about the results, though, because the results of the um, elections... Yeah, I checked out how different newspapers reported on this because I want to get through the Western reporting and then I want to I want to inform you on, on what the Russian side is saying because this has uh, quite a large impact on on the whole Ukraine war. However, however, in this case, <laughs> The Guardian, for example, reports that uh, Maduro... Votes, Maduro vote to claim Guyana's territory backfires as Venezuelans stay home. And they focus on the fact that turnout was minimal and votes on referendum intended to like rubber stamp this whole claim. Well, the thing. He, um, he really pushed for it, and apparently there was, um, there was very little turnout. However, however, despite the minimal turnout that has been focused on, and The Guardian, which they, by the way, did not really um, point out how many people actually went there. Uh, they they state that um, apparently 95%, like Venezuela itself says that uh, 95% of those who voted the, well, yes, basically went there. Out of, um, out of about 2 million people. Although the government, of, cor- of course, claims 10 million people, but you know... <sighs> So what happened is, and, and CNN, however, focuses on the fact that Venezuelans approve of the of takeover of all the rich region of Guyana. So everyone's now speculating. Just the thing, because I wanted to look at both sides, and, well, one side focuses on the fact that turnout was low, the other side, apparently, focuses on uh, on how this was supported. But yeah, yeah, the thing is that Guyana obviously called this move um, towards annexation a existential threat, and there was a lot of a lot of screaming all around, a lot of complaints from both uh, both parties, and uh, well, at least they're starting to talk a bit. But it's gonna be um, a bit interesting because once again, it really relates to the war. And uh, well, currently the situation is that Venezuela is already giving out licenses to Western companies to kind of work in the territorial waters and all that stuff where there is way less regulations than in the States and all, all that whatnot. 
And um, yeah, it's a bit um, kind of like, you know, Russia doing, uh, doing its own thing. Meanwhile, Guyana's president, Ifran Ali, yeah, he stated that the country, Guyana, is taking all the necessary precautions to protect itself from Venezuela. Because, uh, well, for one, although it seems that uh, although Guyana has only 800,000 people, and Venezuela has about 10 million people, there is a little tiny thing about whole situation there with the Esequibo region and all this stuff. There are basically no roads going there. This is why this whole thing is uh, a bit dumb. See, um, Guyana's president is called Ifran Ali. He's an uh, Indian Muslim. He's the least uh, Latin American person you could imagine. Guyana is part of the British Commonwealth. It's the, the British cultural side. This is why also those of you who follow football, that is soccer, you know that all these Guyana, Suriname, and French Guyana, uh, th yeah, they play in, um, in the CONCACAF, not in the CONMEBOL. So basically they play with United States and Mexico and Caribbean countries towards like with, with whom they're way closer culturally rather than um, with with the whole South American continent. Also, also there are barely any roads. Everyone lives like right next to the coast there. This Esequibo region, it's a home of to about 120,000 people and it's just jungle basically with very little roads. It's going to be a bit crazy. So, it's going to be Hopefully, uh, hopefully this does not turn out into hot war, but, uh, well, at least Western media reports that, uh, as Ali has stated, quote, our first line of defense is diplomacy, adding that Guyana has reached out to leaders abroad, including the United States, India, and Cuba. The uh, United States, by the way, has responded by being very concerned about this, as usual. And apparently they are also preparing for actual military, uh, military scenario, if such a thing would happen. Everyone's taking this threat very seriously, and, and so am I, which is just um, just another thing that shows how how pretty much horrid all this situation is happening in the world. I mean, we already have a lot of conflicts happening all over the place, and I haven't even checked on, on what's going on in, in Haiti. I doubt there is even could be much of Haiti remaining at this point. But this war, well, this war, you see, has a clear impact towards, uh, towards Ukraine. See, I was watching a lot, of, a lot of shows and trying to truly really understand this because, as you know, I'm here in Eastern Europe, not in, in Americas. And apparently this could have an impact on funding for Ukraine if some sort of nonsense just happens out there. Already, the situation in the front lines is a bit weird. Although I have to state that, uh, well, it's not as grim as people try to tell you. This is my... Uh, this is the eastern border telling you, please stop worrying that much. Sure, Ukraine has problems. Russia also has problems. Russia has problems with morale. Russia has problems with logistics. Russia has problems with ammo. Russia also has so many problems with everything that it's just insane. Ukraine's problems are very simple, to be honest. Ukraine's plot problems are the fact that um, beginning, starting from the very, very early war, no one gave Ukraine what it needed on a timely manner. At all. It was all given eventually. But if you remember the very early war, 
Germany gave like what five thousand helmets or something, and now look, leopard tanks and airplanes and all this stuff. And and if only these things could have been done faster and in the early war, if if the equipment from the West would have been there when it was needed and when it was when it was there for the, for the highest use potential, then um, oh, let me remind you and, and not you know. Uh, Westerners also just selling uh, machine tools for ammo production, right? Then the situation could have been much more different. And the thing is, again, Venezuela is very friendly with Russia. Let's get on to this part now. And uh, here, here I'm using an article from RussiaBriefing.com by uh, Mikhail Baranchik. This guy, this guy has written in very kind of business, academical language about doing business between Venezuela and Russia. Russia Briefing in itself is uh, apparently a business magazine that uh, writes both in Russian and in English about how it's like to do business inside of Russia, even today. And that's the whole thing. This article was written in December the 5th, and I'm, uh, I'm going to summarize it, basically. I'm not going to quote all of it. But... Uh, Let's start with the history here. The history of Russia-Venezuela relations is marked by a significant evolution, particularly in the post-Cold War era. It's a very academical article, kind of very dry. Apparently, well... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cooperation started primarily with Hugo Chavez. And by the way, the liberal, the ultra-liberal, uh, libertarian people, and I mean libertarian, libertarian to the point where I, I think Alex and and uh, my friend Heathen would consider them a bit weird. They stated that they're all filthy commies. There, and I don't disagree. But Putin is not a commie, so you know, just just saying. But basically, uh, Hugo Chavez managed to manage to hang out and and build a lot of equipment, a uh, lot of equipment and trade routes with, from Russia. Because by 2011, Venezuela had become the top customer for Russia's arms. So we're looking at here, the potential invasion is uh, Russian guns in the jungle, which they don't really don't have. And uh, after Hugo Chavez died in 2013, new interesting things happened in the Russia-Venezuela relationship parts here. Because you see, Maduro's election was uh, very controversial. However, Russia continued its support which included a Russia's veto of a United Nations Security Council resolution calling for new presidential elections in Venezuela in 2019. For this, Maduro supports Russia in the Ukraine conflict. And the implications are there, and they're profound. 
Russia's engagement with Venezuela, like with all weird broken states with dictators up there, is part of its broader strategy to establish kind of this, what they call a multipolar world order, which I call as the world order between psycho dictators, <laughs> psycho dictators and actually people who, you know, want to work for their want to work for their money and, you know, enjoy some some freedoms. And um well, the, their official stance, although this is total bullshit, but written very academically in this magazine, is, quote, Both nations, through their alliance, advocate for a global landscape where power is more diffusely distributed, reflecting their shared goals, economic interests, and political ideologies. And, uh, quote, Throughout these developments, Russia's relationship with Venezuela has been driven by both countries' status as major oil producers and their shared policy stance towards the United States. This complex historical trajectory has laid the foundation for the current trade and investment dynamics between Russia and Venezuela. And that's a bit um, that's a bit scary because I, I really don't know how these people write so academically. I, for one, am going to have to do the same thing because I have my keynote to finish. But uh, it is what it is. Russian Venezuela trade volume itself has jumped 70% between January and July 2023. The economic ties are strengthening because Venezuela is still doing, you know, doing what they can to support Russian-Ukraine war. Of course, primarily is the oil trade, which is the number one thing. They have a crucial partnership there, given the, the nature of, and I really, really had to study this. Apparently, Venezuelan crude oil is very heavy, which requires which requires specialized processing. It's not at the same. They have a lot of it, but uh, it's kind of like closer to Russian brand of Urals, not the Brent one. And I now, now I can say that I know a little little something about about oil trade. Second part is agricultural trade. And so apparently, Russian market is open to Venezuelan fish and, and plants and all all this stuff. Russia supplies Venezuela with flu vaccines, cancer drugs, and, and all sorts of things as much as they can because they're lacking everything right now themselves. <laughs> and they also have uh, have signed a, a contract uh, for deploying a GLONASS measurement station for space and satellite navigation in Venezuela. But that's also kind of uh, not, really, not really going on anywhere. There's a lot of... A lot of uh, space ties, a lot of economical ties, as you can see. But but what what is what is the opportunities here? What's going to happen? And again, I'm, I'm going to quote from this article because this is ultra dry. Sorry about this. Hmm. Quote, given the existing military ties, there is potential for further collaboration in defense technology, including research and development of new military equipment and joint production initiatives. By leveraging BRICS and EAEU, Russia and Venezuela can use their positions in these international alliances to explore new markets. Strengthening South-South cooperation, particularly with other Latin American and BRICS countries, can open up new avenues for trade and investment. I kind of like how Russia is technically considering themselves to be Global South, uh, which I really, really hate the term. <laughs> Secondly, I really kind of... Uh, <laughs> Also, don't think that anyone between the, these two countries should really rely on stuff because corruption is everywhere. When we're talking about trade, please remember that most of it is just 
is just basically going away and it's being stolen all the time. And this, by the way, is despite that um, Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, by the way, wrote an article in 2022, uh, I think it's 9th of December, by Pavel Trashenko, whom I really wouldn't um, wouldn't trust as much. Uh, oh yeah, he's the deputy head of the commerce and newspaper foreign policy department. For those of you who know co the correspondent thing, he wrote that it's going to be like um, only in in words only, and that the support will fall and all this stuff. But um, yeah, this hasn't been the case. The thing is that Maduro is being pushed in his own country because their political situation. Uh, I'm not that informed, but apparently there's a strong candidate from the outside to kind of go in and actually smash Maduro, which is why the turnout was low, because Maduro only managed to get, grab uh, his very loyal followers for this referendum, where, of course, he got 95% of the vote. But still, it's kind of like this radicalization. <laughs> if, you, if you're, like, in Russia, also, you know, not everyone, support, not everyone supports the war, right? But there's those, you know, Girkin and pals, those buddies. They're super aggressive about it. They're very loud as well. I think the same thing is in Venezuela. Currently, Russia is just grasping for allies. And I think Russia has um, promised something to Maduro there in exchange for something. Maduro wouldn't do this if, um, if he hadn't gotten permission from Putin. So it's either two options. Either, either he forced Putin to allow him this and asked for some resources, which Putin doesn't have, or he just decided that uh, Maduro could pull off a Putin himself, you know, and do some some crazy shenanigans. Thankfully, it's still on the conversational stage, but um, as as sadly in the United States uh, Congress, the question about funding going to Ukraine and, and Israel as well is now under question, and there are now many problems there. <laughs> Yeah, such a distraction is something which I, I think that the free world totally totally didn't need. This is one of the saddest points and saddest uh, things that I have that I had had to cover on the show. And again, sorry for my weird voice. I'm not very not very healthy at this point. But um, I just wonder right now. I haven't even been surprised that much. I just wonder where where things are going to go next. I I think that. Afghanistan-Pakistan conflicts are also going to be interesting. We're going to have a lot of conflicts these days. I just really hope that you all stay safe. Because they're, well, apparently looking out for me again. Because, yeah, um, to explain what I said at the beginning, um, I went um, I went out to eat with um, with Evita. And uh, in, in the pub, I just, just passed out. Like nearly passed out. It was horrible, and uh, went did the toxicology analysis, and uh, well, bad stuff. Lots of money spent, lots of health damage, and um, well, I'll live. I'll manage. But yeah, thank you for for your support because that helped a lot. And now, and now that it's well is happening as well. But. Uh, Let's just hope that there is a diplomatic solution. After all, Venezuela is much closer to the United States than it is to Russia. And with Brazil also fortifying its borders, there could be a possible chance for some peaceful solution here somehow. 
because there's a keyboard is a troll, just a bunch of, well, jungle basically. I, I'm I'm pretty sure they can give like parts of it or something. But you know, all in all, um, not again, sorry about how my voice sounds today. All in all, uh, I think that unless something something horrible happens, you know, unless something goes way out of the planned events, I think things should be somewhat calm. Because Rush also cannot afford to push down on stuff. And Russian uh, Russian side, our, our good buddy Maxim Kalashnikov, the guy who is friends with Igor Girkin, he led these lamenting and complaining how Russia will not take uh, not, not take this chance, this opportunity given to them, apparently, to do something about it. Because they can't. They can't really do it. They can't exactly focus on that stuff right now. Which is nice, but still, right now we're, we're just keeping... We just have to live with the fact that such impulses and such chaos is going to be happening everywhere. And again, notice how Russia is friendly with where the trouble starts. I mean, they're friendly to Hamas, they're friendly to Venezuela, they're doing things. It's it's obvious to me by now that if you want to stop this whole nonsense and focus on actual security, then it's Putin that really needs to go. But that's it for today. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and I'm um, sorry, I'll get better next time. Please uh, consider supporting our show on patreon.com slash the eastern border or clicking the donate button on the eastern border.lv, which we fixed after last time. Medical expenses and all this stuff have been huge, and I'm trying to figure out how to function. And Christmas is coming and everything, and it's, it's pretty bad, to be honest. And, uh, well, at least, at least I'm not in Guyana waiting for some sort of assault right now or something. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.